This is Liz Williams of the National Food and Beverage Foundation. Welcome to Tip of the Tongue, a podcast that explores the intersection of museums and cuisine. We are here today at Cafe Noma in New Orleans, the restaurant in the New Orleans Museum of Art. Joining me today are Ralph Brennan and Chef Chris Montero. Ralph Brennan is a member of the famous Brennan family of New Orleans, a family which has created the modern restaurant. He has both cooked in and owned restaurants. Cafe Noma is part of his restaurant group, and Ralph continues to not only be a restaurateur, but an engaged member of the greater New Orleans community. Chef Chris Montero is executive chef of an historic restaurant, Napoleon House, located in the French Quarter of New Orleans, really almost a museum in itself, as well as of Cafe Noma. A New Orleans native, Chef Chris is well-schooled in the food of the city and its flavor profile. Welcome, Ralph and Chris. Thanks so much for joining me. Hello, Liz. Hello. Thanks for having us. Yep, great to be here. So let's begin with you, Ralph. With so many restaurants on your plate already, why did you decide to be part of the New Orleans Museum of Art? That's a great question, Liz. You know, we wound up uh, getting involved here after Hurricane Katrina. And if you remember back in those days after the storm, uh, there were many, many millions of acts of kindness toward the city of New Orleans. And one of those was from the Walt Disney Company. And they arranged for an exhibition of animation art that had never been seen before. Uh, and they arranged for that e exhibition here at the New Orleans Museum of Art. They also released the uh, new movie called The Princess and the Frog here as part of that exhibition. And John Bullard, who was the executive director, knew about our involvement with Disney and with the restaurant that we have, the Jazz Kitchen at Disneyland. And he came across the street to Ralph's on the Park, which is just across from the museum, and said, I need help. I need somebody to run our cafe for you know, six or eight weeks, the length of the uh, exhibit, and would you do it for me? And so we talked about it, and you know, we love the museum, we love to help the community, and it, certainly that was a time of giving. So uh, we put together a plan to open the cafe, and we did. We had that run of six to eight weeks, and then John came in and said, don't leave. And we've been here ever since. And at one point, several years ago, we renovated a little bit and freshened it up. Uh, we've worked on the menu, and we just enjoy being here. It's part of our community, and it's great to be a part of the museum. So speaking of freshening up the, the menu, do you ever have um, exhibit-related menus um, or anything to do with what's actually going on with the art inside the museum and connect it to the, to the cafe. Absolutely. And, you know, the cafe's been a real interesting project for me because it's, it's uh, definitely the, the most significant case of evolution that I've ever seen. Normally we go into a project with a plan and a concept, and we didn't, the concept was nine weeks. And I had two weeks to get ready for it. Ralph announced to me, you know, and the, the challenge is 14 days to get licensing and permits, and, and, uh, but it's just going to be limited, right? And so therefore, we learned uh, in real time uh, as we evolved and grew and then slowly started realizing that we're going to be here for a while. And they gave us the opportunity, well, what do you want? What, do you, what does the museum need? And what would be interesting and different? And what is the concept? Because we didn't really know what it was in the beginning, right? Other than a Disney kind of theme. Um, so we quickly learned a couple of things. Uh, one, the clientele can be a little different. But two, we're in a museum. And what would make sense 
in the museum that's different than our normal model, and we immediately drifted towards theming it with you know the evolving exhibits. We like to be current and we like to be sustainable, but what else ties into a museum? And that is all of these different flavors of of the exhibits, whether they're cultural or whether they're uh, or they're colorful. Uh, and all these different themes and 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 uh, and, and different and different uh, regions, which the exhibits are often tied to. So give so, us an example. So uh, Puerto Rico, we had a Puerto Rican. Uh, uh, well, I'm thinking of one that was a really a lot of fun, mm -hmm. right? Because I wasn't real familiar with Puerto Rican cuisine. And there's a big artist who had a, a major exhibit here, right? And uh, so we all of a sudden, and, and, and the other thing that we quickly learned here, we have a lot of return regular members that come frequently to the cafe. So daily specials were critical. Okay? It's a somewhat limited menu, so there's not a, a tremendous broad range of choices. Just a couple of basic styles, you know, salads and quick service sandwiches and so on. So we're really heavily driven by that daily special, uh, whether that's a, 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 a plated lunch or a sandwich or a flatbread pizza, whatever the case may be. And we like to keep those really fresh and theme them with Puerto Rican cuisine. So, we, so we're always learning, right? Uh, but we'll have Leah Chase had an exhibit. So then we kind of, Dumbo's Herbs, you know, it had to go on because her exhibit was here, yeah. and it's almost limitless, right? Yeah. Because of the because of the exhibits themselves. Okay, so you were telling me before we began taping that um, you were seeing a lot of um, business coming in from the sculpture garden. So that's outside coming in. So yeah. that's not people coming into the museum and coming into the cafe. Right. So do you have anything that reflects the sculpture garden? You know, we haven't been able to really work that through yet because it was only open briefly uh, before the head of summer hit where the sculpture garden attendance fell off but we it, it spurred us to uh, to react to the flow of business which is a little different a sculpture garden opens earlier so we're looking to probably uh, have a little more early cuisine that that's available uh, we want to try to figure out, we're working with the museum to see how we can do not only point of sale in the garden itself, but then to use that to draw people into the cafe itself, uh, which they feel there's a definite need for because people wander the, the sculpture garden and get hungry. Right. And uh, so it's a natural, and we, we that's part of the design, right, that they, that they spoke to us about early on, is that they want to make this a seamless flow from the entrance to, of the sculpture garden to the cafe. So, so, so yeah, we anticipate that piece. So let's talk a little bit about some of the limitations that you have because you're inside of a museum and how it's different than a freestanding museum, I mean a freestanding restaurant. Well, it's, I, I guess there's some limitations in the kitchen equipment. For example, we don't have a fryer right now uh, because of the possibility of some grease in the air. and. Then we uh, red wine. We don't serve or any uh, red dye, anything, anything, anything red, food, red. but yeah. in particular wine. Right. But otherwise, it's not from a culinary standpoint, not that much different. And it's an all electric kitchen. It's all electric kitchen. So you don't have any open uh, flames. You don't have any open flames. Um, the, the challenge is this, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, the challenge is the timing of the cuisine, right? Because while we need to be, uh, we have a lot of destination 
customers that come here for lunch. That wasn't the case in the beginning because we did virtually no real marketing, right, Ralph? I mean, early on, we didn't really tout the Ralph Brennan's well, Cafe. We didn't know we were going to be here. We didn't think we were going to be here. So, again, just evolved. You know, we really didn't dive into promoting it for a good year, at least, as we kind of yeah. explored what we really want to do. And the Sculpture Gardens will be a real plus for us. As Chris said, it opened right at the end of the spring, and then, you know, it gets hot and humid here, so the attendance has dropped off. We thought we would get some business from around Big Lake, which is more of an exercise area where people walk around the lake, and we thought they might come in here for coffee and something after a walk, but that didn't really happen. But we were really seeing, we saw briefly at the beginning of the summer, some strength in the sculpture garden, and then we're looking at some possibilities of actually going out into the sculpture garden where we might have a cart or some other uh, method of serving coffee, soft drinks, juices, something like that, maybe some light snacks. Uh, we're, we're talking to the museum staff about that. So how do you see what you do as enhancing the experience of coming to the museum? Well, I mean, I think the food's pretty good. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we look at it for us as an opportunity to give back to the community. And so we try to do the same things we do in the restaurants. I mean, we're creating guest experiences every day in the other restaurants. We're trying to do the same thing here. It's much simpler here than it is in the restaurants because one, it's a smaller space. Two, it's a quicker serve, service method because people want to grab a snack and go. So we have counter service where you walk up and order at the counter and then we deliver the, the food to your table. Uh, Chris has put together a great menu, but it is quick to execute. Um, and, it, and it does change. It's seasonal. It, it's healthy. Um, but you do have snacks in the afternoon. You actually serve some alcohol and wine and, and some drinks. And, and you can come sit here and look out through the side window and overlook Big Lake and Alice Sculpture Garden and you know, spend an afternoon here uh, if you'd like. Uh, we find many of our guests here, correct me if I'm wrong here, but many of the visitors to the museum, although they want to eat quickly, they're not on the same time schedule that many of our guests in the restaurants are. And That's so right. they, they, they can be a little more leisurely and relaxed. Yeah. They're, they're not going back to work. They're not going back to work. And therein lies some of the challenges, right? We have to, as far as the experience is concerned, we have to be something for everybody here because of the nature of the cafe service, right? And when I say that, I mean our clientele can run the gamut of children and visiting from schools and buses. So we have to have a, a you know somewhat of a comprehensive children offering. A lot of our guests are retired, so a, a, probably a disproportionate percentage of our clientele are, are older, which means some diet restrictions often, but then we have a lot of destination diners for lunch who want full-blown New Orleans cuisine they can relate to, right? So we have to meet all of, hit all of those numbers, right? And, and, it's and a challenge. Our, our best clientele are the staff of the museum. That's right. <laughs> they are on our two or three times a day. Right. We've got that built-in regular night, and that's some of our best feedback. Right? And I can imagine the best snacks. Certainly better than anything you would get in a vending machine. I should hope so. Our cookies are amazing. Wow. <laughs> <They're good. laughs> I'll tell you. So I noticed that you also have um, 
demonstration classes. So how did you decide to do that? And how do you see that relating to the museum? So uh, it, it actually started on a, on a request from the museum. They wanted to, at post-Katrina, uh, and they brought in, uh, you know, with, with, due to, with some of the changes in the, in the, in the office here, they wanted to try and uh, draw a younger clientele. And one of their first ideas were to start opening in the evenings on Friday night. So they started calling something called uh, Where Yart, was the original what it was called, and uh, music and, and a bar and stay open on Fridays. And they wanted to know how we could participate in that, right? And originally the draw was very limited. It was just very small numbers. And for some reason, uh, someone approached me about doing a one-off cooking demonstration. So I said, let's do it on a Friday night. And all of a sudden, we doubled the participation of, and the entire museum for this one little... We and of course, again, town, they said, <laughs> can you keep doing it? <laughs> and I said, I don't see why not, right? So it, it happened again organically because of a, of a need. And before you know it, it just turned into kind of a little bit overwhelming. And when I say that, I mean, hey, it's free. That's always a draw. Um, we give out samples, and our motive was to expose more locals to the to the cafe. Uh, so they started coming, and then they kept coming, and then someone wrote an article. Uh, I think it was Ian McNulty, or someone did a little blurb in the paper, and we were overwhelmed. We had 300 people show up, and we had eight seats. And, uh, and we're standing room only, and it's been going on ever since. I think we're in eighth year. Of doing the demonstrations, it's always full. And so, do you do it by season, and then have a little break? And you do it summer only. only summer. Yeah, because that's when the need. That's when a is when. So you know, we have to bring keep that fresh. And we, 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 I did the first dozen, and then I said, nobody wants to see me week after week after week. And I bought all the executive chefs. We ran through those in the second year. Now sous chefs come in. Now we feature everyone. everyone. We feature pastry chefs, young, talented people in the company. It's a blast. And, and it's and a great guests. way for people to uh, to get exposed because doing a demonstration is almost now de rigueur if you're a chef. Yeah, it is. So it's, we've gotten, you know, it's, got, it's become pretty well known throughout the community and it's summer summertime. It's something that we do every Friday night during the summer months. So you said that some of your guests, you actually use guests oh, to Oh yeah, do Leah Chase and my friend Tori McPhail and then, you know, just various people or, or, or then we, uh, artisan folks like uh, Vaughn Schmidt who has Creole country sausage. We brought him in and did sausage making. So we try to keep it fresh and different. And is that at all related to any exhibits, or is that just um, what's available? Yes, the overall theme. So we meet in the in the uh, in the in the winter, you know, when we plan. But we we work closely with the staff here at the museum to to theme whatever we're doing. And uh, when we see what the major exhibit will be for the summer, we do our best to try cooking demonstrations to tie whether that's contemporary art a couple of years ago so we did contemporary cooking techniques we did uh, immersion circulators and sous vide because they were doing modern uh, modern, modern art right and, or basically we look for any tie-in we can find <laughs> but sometimes it's cultural uh, uh, because uh, there was an Asian uh, a major Asian exhibit so we tried to Get all of our chefs to come up with their favorite Asian for. Asian. Yeah. 
And so how obvious do you make that when you're marketing the, the demos? Is that some subtle thing that yes. you work out yourselves, not really something that you Yeah, in the second out. in the second year of the eight or whatever, we tried to make it very hard. We tried to really focus in on the exhibit. We found that that restricted what we could do as a demo. So we find some of those times. But it's always fun. But not, not only the question of how loose or how rigid is your adherence to the exhibit, but how much do you point out in your marketing materials and whatever that it's related to the exhibit? Originally, very much. To be frank, when we realized that the crowd didn't care <laughs> as much as much as they just want to see some food and get samples, right? So we do it uh, because we find that inspiration, right? And, and we we want to create we want to create an experience, right? But the crowd, but our fans are going to come no matter what because they want good food. So, how much interaction do you actually have? I know that you have visitors from the museum staff every day, but how much uh, time do you actually spend working with the museum to ensure that you have a really um, seamless experience? I think we work very closely with the staff and on a regular basis. And, and, and Chris, because he's the point person here, works very closely with them. But I mean, we want to be part of their community. I mean, we're, we're, we're not employees of the museum, uh, but we are very close family, and we we work with them, and then they keep us in the loop as to what they're trying to do, and, and so we try to support them in any way that we can. Yeah. We have a great relationship. Yeah, we've, we've developed some really deep, deep relationships over the years with, with especially the long-term staff here because now Ralph and I have been in and out of the museum longer than probably 70% of the staff, to be honest with you. We've got all the long-term folks. And there was a, kind of a lot of retires uh, after Katrina right about where we started. Number of people who left. And, and so we've kind of come up with a lot of the, all the new, the, you know, the new staff and some of the some of the older. And when they opened the sculpture garden, we worked with them on all the opening events, and we did the food and beverage for them and planned it. And you know, they wanted to see. I remember the dinner we did family style for them. That was their idea, but we put it together. And, Sure. And served the family style in the Great Hall, and we did events out in the sculpture garden itself. So when you are bringing food out into the actual museum, as opposed to having people eat inside of the cafe, what do you have to do to, uh, to make that work, especially um, with conservators and other sorts of people who are probably keeping close watch on what you do? It, it's it's not so much the artwork because we're always cognizant and conscious of that, and the setup in the great hall is is sort of that that's taken into consideration in the design. Yeah, so it's put together with the so outer galleries kind of stay protected from what happens in the great hall. The bigger challenge is actually the the operationally. How do you execute these variety of menus for a much different audience than what we have in the cafe? Right, and that can become quite takes takes a bit of experience and some know how to pull off a seated dinner for three hundred elevated formal cuisine in a restaurant that's quick serve sandwiches. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. With you I could go on and on. So, so that really becomes a catering opportunity rather than a cafe opportunity. And again, Chris works very closely 
He, some of the dinners you can do internally, and then other times you, you draw upon our catering staff to help out. So we have defaults, right? I mean, up to this, we can do it from the cafe, beyond this scope. We defer to our catering division, different salespeople, and we kind of have, over the years, learned when to pull those triggers. So do you have any trouble with the guests who, let's say, absentmindedly wander into a gallery with a glass of wine or anything like that? You know, they have a very competent and rigid security <laughs> staff they here. They, they watch those galleries closely. And, and we've not and really had any problems. We thought there would be uh, and when we first started because, because the big difference of our operation and what they did in the past was we are a destination. They allow our guests to come in for lunch and we can leave without necessarily paying admission. We want it to be symbiotic. We want to draw people so that more people go to the museum. They found that to be the case after a few years and we started drawing a lot of people to come to the cafe. Um, so the, one of the concerns was people wandering into the cafe. So we, uh, for the first, when we first started opening to the public from a separate entrance, they stationed the security guard. They found that the honor system works really, really well here. People were respectful, and they realized they're in a museum, so you don't have food fights in the, in the gallery very often. <laughs> but every now and then you don't. If you decide to come to the museum, you're probably already respectful. It's, it's a museum. That's exactly what we learned in short order. It's museum clientele, because we know from being restaurateurs, there's always there's often challenging guests, right? <laughs> uh, but the, it's it's a museum clientele, so it already has sort of a yes, yes. Yes. behavior. So, is there anything that you feel that you've learned from this experience? Uh, anything that you think, okay, I'm not that you're ever sorry that you've done it, but uh, <laughs> things that make you maybe. Um, Think twice, or if you were to do it again. I mean, even something as simple as we would want more space, or you know, something like that. Would you rather have a separate building? I mean, a lot of places actually have a separate building so that there's more flexibility within the kitchen. What do you? Think? I was going to take that one. <laughs> I can't take that one. <laughs> but no, I, I mean, what I, what I think we've enjoyed is, is is working with the staff here at the museum. It's a wonderful group of people. And, um, you know, we've been very lucky as a company, and as, certainly as my family's been in New Orleans, uh, and it's just fun to be a part of it, and this is one way to do it. Uh, we're supporting the art community of New Orleans. I think you know my wife, Susan, she's very involved in art, and uh, she's the one that's gotten me interested in it. And so this opportunity and, and the relationship that we have here at the cafe and the Noma in Ralph's on the Park, across uh -huh. City Park Avenue. It's just a stone's throw away. Uh, you know, the museum has used that restaurant for dinners, and, 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 and we've come over here and done special events before the cafe. So we've had a great long-term relationship. And, uh, and again, we try to give back and, and be involved in our community, and it's just one way we've chosen to do it. And we have, I think Chris has a lot of fun doing it. And it's a little different uh, setup than down in Napoleon House. And yep. Being down in the French Quarter, it's a little quieter out here, a little more relaxed. And, uh, it's just a lot of fun, and we look for these kinds of opportunities. So we've talked a little bit about how um, this can really, having food, good food at a great cafe in a museum can help the museum um, and 
coaches' attendance and all of those things. Do you also think that it helps with the experience of seeing the art and appreciating the art? Well, I think in today's in a, in a modern world, food is considered more of an art form than it ever has been. You know, today a lot of people look. You know, yeah, that hence the cooking demonstration that gets such great support. People get excited about food, and yes, I do think I think you know here, besides it being a labor of love because we have to be so many things for different people, it doesn't really fall in our perfect business model. That's a fair way to say it. Uh, that our goal is always to make it part of the overall experience. So I mean, that's that's the challenge and the fun of it. To be honest with you. All right, so I'm going to throw out the tough question because this is something that we do at the Southern Food and Beverage Museum. Yeah. Is we actually let people walk around with the drink inside of the museum. Do you think? And this is not a question about this museum. This is more of a question about museums in general. Do you think that that would be something in general that would um, that would mean anything to um, to the experience of seeing the art? It, it's been my experience that it's not that much of a priority. Now that is unless we're talking about a private function or a banquet or a or an event mm -hmm. where the focal point becomes heavily beverage. But the average museum client, you know, because we really expected a lot more uh, participation in beverage and bars and wine and cheese and so on, it just doesn't. It's, it's not that big a factor with the, uh, with the daytime museum attendance. Yeah, I think daytime is the important thing here. Yep. Uh, but we do, as I mentioned earlier, we do, do see some people who come in in the afternoon and like to have a glass of wine and sit down and uh, look out the window, uh, but they, they, they still can't walk around the museum. In the evening, I think it's a little different Absolutely. because of the social nature of the events that take place here, uh, whether they're museum events or outside private events, corporate events, uh, people will want to walk around. Oh, it shifts dramatically. I mean, it's a whole different animal once it's you know, sunset. I think in some degree it depends on what's in the galleries, what, what type of art's in there, but that would be the museum's decision, right? Right. not ours. And it's probably hard to be flexible, so that it's easier to have a rule that says, no, you can't do it, than to change it depending on what kind of art is, yeah. is in the gallery. And also the other question I have that has to do with things like marble floors and, uh, and that sort of thing. Does that affect the sound and the experience? And how I think, do you, deal I think with that? you can no notice that, right? Um, it, it's a lot of hard surfaces. That was the design that we inherited when we got here. We we made some minor um, attempts, but. It's definitely something that's a challenge and we're working on. And do you think that it makes it seem lively now? And so maybe that's a good thing, especially in the daytime? Or is it really um, sometimes overwhelming? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> both. I think it's both. Yes. Both. Yeah. So it does energize the space, yes. but it gets very loud. The way this space was designed, and as Chris said, we inherited it. There's a lot of glass, a lot of hard surfaces on the wall, uh, hard, hard floors, floors uh, hard ceilings, and, and we are taking a look at what we could do to soften it a little bit. 
we don't want to do soften it too much, but um, we, we, it would be nice if we would do it. Maybe with some curtaining or something like that, shading that would absorb some of the sound. Yeah, I, I can imagine yeah. that it could get through a really every seat were taken that it would. Oh yeah. And then if you had people we, waiting, we don't have any sun issues here because we're on the east side of the building. No, it's not a glare. Like, uh, in the park, we have a big problem with the setting sun coming right down City Park Avenue. But that might impact the gift shop on the other side, but we don't have that problem here. We get a little bit of morning sun, but it's not bad. Not like the setting sun. Right. So that, that is just more of the logistics of whatever building we have. Yeah. Yes. Well, if you have any uh, closing remarks that you No, I mean, the only other thing that we did do is, several years ago, we did activate the courtyard out here mm -hmm. uh, with the permission and suggestion of the museum. And we do some seating out there in the, in, in the cooler springtime, winter, depends on the weather. Oh, yeah. And there were some guests out there the other day, a couple of days ago when I was here with Charlotte. Guests now, and a few, but yeah, it's very popular when the, when the weather. Well, and that expands your space, so that's also a nice, a nice thing, especially during busy times where you can go see it and taking care of it. Yes, mm -hmm. I could see that. Absolutely. Any other remarks at the end? No, we love being here. It's, it's, it is truly something that both Ralph and I feel strongly about, and, and we love the experience and, and working the community. You know, my family has lived in Mid-City for years, so the city park's always been really important to me, as it has to Ralph and his wife. So it's just a joy to be here and something we want to continue working on. Okay. Well, Chris, Ralph, thank you so thank much you. for being here. And this is Liz Williams. You've been listening to Tip of the Tongue, which can be found on the Nitty Grits Network of the National Food and Beverage Foundation at natfab.org. Thanks for listening.